your source for everything paranormal. Parax. Throughout the ages, history has been altered by word of mouth and the misrepresentation of those who might not have been present when some of the world's most significant events took place. Channelers Barry and Connie Strom bring through the spirits of those who actually witnessed or took part in these historical events and lets them tell their stories in their own words. Welcome to Channeling History, and now, here are your hosts, Barry and Connie Strom. Good evening, everybody. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We are here to bring you Channeling History once more, and we are the only show where we speak to the souls that make things happen. I'm Barry Strom, your host, and I'll be doing the channeling tonight. And I'm Connie Strom, and I would like to thank you for tuning into our show this evening. Tonight, we will be channeling one of the most popular entertainers of all time, Michael Jackson. We will be asking him many questions concerning his life and the mysteries surrounding his death. We've channeled with Michael before, and he is a very interesting and good spirit. Our chat room here at PowerX is open, and we welcome any questions. Although we do have a list prepared, we sort of prefer those in your chat, the chat room. Okay, we always try to give a small disclaimer when we begin the show, as we have no idea how some of the spirits are going to answer. We will be asking some very direct questions of Michael tonight, and I know that some of the listeners will not appreciate the answers. So the opinions or statements voiced on our show are the channeled words of the spirits and do not necessarily reflect our opinions, those of the Parax Network or our sponsors. Last week, we had the honor of interviewing the 40th President of the United States, Ronald Reagan. He gave us insight into decisions made that helped bring about the downfall of the Soviet Union. All of our shows can be found on our YouTube channel. Please tell your friends about us so we can continue to grow our listeners. Tonight, our guest lived a very interesting and sometimes controversial life. We hope that you take advantage of the opportunity by submitting questions to the chat room. As Barry previously mentioned, all of our previous shows are available on our YouTube channel that's in the name of Barry Strom and on Potomatic.com under the name Channeling History, where you can download them or just listen for free. It's also available on Audible, iTunes, Spotify, and most of the other popular platforms. When we begin our channeling tonight, I will ask the questions, and Barry will answer the questions in the words of our guest. I know you're all shocked about that. Okay, if you've listened to our show, you also know that we always say a prayer of protection. There's a lot of evil out there, and we want to make sure we are protected when we open a channel to the other side. So Connie will now say the prayer, and we will begin to channel with our famous guest. God, please grant us your wisdom and protection. Grant us the knowledge that we can handle and keep us safe from all things that will harm us. Keep the messages positive and pure love. Keep us safe from our egos. We ask these things in the light of the seen, the unseen, and the honesty of God. Okay, Michael, now we know we have channeled with you before, and we are really pleased with the honesty with which you answered a lot of the questions that we ask. In our earlier channeling, you've been with us on some of the radio shows live, so you're kind of like an old friend. So, welcome back. Okay, Michael, would you like to start with a message? 
Yes. As Barry said, I always appreciate the opportunity to speak with you too. I know that you're here trying to bring people messages of truth and to help them understand a lot of the things that have taken place in the past. I know that I made a few bad decisions in my life, but I did bring a lot of pleasure to many, many people. It was not really until after I passed and I could see that I understood just how much of an impact I did have on other individuals. So I welcome the opportunity to speak once again. I'm glad that you two are now doing your own radio show. And I am only too happy to be here for you. And I know you have questions. Actually, I help you prepare some of them. So let's begin. Okay, could we start with you telling us about your mother? My mother was a very, very good person. She had many children, as you know. I was one of ten. We lived in a two-bedroom home, and she was a very, very devout Jehovah's Witness. She tried to try to bring some of their beliefs into us so that we would follow the religion as well. She often spoke of a close relationship with God, and I know that she did her best. Throughout my career, she also tried to help me. She tried to lead me, and she tried to help me not make mistakes. She's a very, very good person, and I still truly love her. How did her religious beliefs affect your childhood? The Jehovah's Witness religion has some beliefs that are quite different from other Christian beliefs. They say that a very select number, around 144,000 to be exact, are all that are going to be accepted into heaven. I found a lot of it very difficult to understand as a child. But I started performing so very early that I would be traveling and there would be times that my father would have much more influence over my actions than my mother. I did try to do good things for other people throughout my life. So I hope that people will focus upon many of the good things that I did and not focus upon many of the bad things that were spoken of me. You remained a Jehovah's Witness until 1987, and at the age of 29, you disassociated with the church at that time. Why did you do that? I came to believe that many of their teachings were not accurate. I thought that there truly was a God, but I did not associate myself with any specific religion. I was not having time to tra- uh, but not having time to attend church. I was very, very busy with my career, and I felt that I did not want the restrictions of the church holding me back on what I was trying to accomplish. Could you describe your, what your belief was in those days about God? Yes. 
I always felt that there was a God. I always believed that if you prayed, he would hear your words. I often felt that sometimes he was not hearing my prayers. But I found that as I pursued wealth and fame and power, that there was always this little voice in the back of my head telling me that I needed to try to do better. I never had any doubts about God. Many people think that I may not have believed in him because I simply did not attend church as I probably should have. But I always felt that there was there was something bigger out there and when I arrived to the other side, I can tell you that, yes, there actually is. <laughs> Could you tell us more about your father? My father was a very unique individual. He had been a prize fighter. He had played in bands. And he had a driving ambition to make his children succeed. He put together our singing group, the Jackson Five of our brothers and sisters. When I started to perform, I was only five years old. He was almost fanatical about wanting us to succeed. I had very little interplay with many other children of my age. We were traveling and performing, and he was incredibly strict about trying to teach us how we could do the best in our performances. He was also a very strict disciplinarian, and he had no problem using force to enforce what he wanted us to do. Uh, Was your father anti-Semitic, and if he was, how did his opinions affect your whole life? My father was very anti-Semitic, and sadly, some of those opinions did rub off on me. I tried not to let my feelings be known, but there were times that I attempted to not deal with members of the Jewish faith. Throughout my career, many, many people were trying to take advantage of me, and Some of them, some of the powerful people in the entertainment industry were of Jewish faith. So I did share some of his sentiments, but now that I'm here on the other side, I totally understand that all people are equals. Did he abuse you as a child? In today's terms, I would say yes. He would often sit and watch our commercials, and he would have a belt in his hand. And if we messed up in our performance, he would not hesitate to use it on us. As I said, he was a very strong individual, having been a former boxer. And in those days, physical punishment was not thought of as it is today. Did he abuse you more than your other brothers and sisters? Yes. I was coming to the forefront as having the most talent 
and as I became the front singer, he was more emphatic about how he treated me, and if I would mess up, he would make sure that the others watched as he, as they saw how I would be treated. Do you feel that your father took advantage of you? That's probably a silly question. Yes. As I look back, there's no doubt that he took advantage of us. He pushed all of us to the point of exhaustion as children. He wanted us to succeed, and he also wanted the money that came with our success. Do you see your dad now that he's you're on the other side? And He is in a lower level, and I rarely do go to see him. I know I shouldn't feel resentment over here, but he did rob me of my childhood, and many of the problems that I had in later life were a result of the fact that I never truly had much of a life as a child. How did you feel during your childhood? I felt very lonely and isolated. I would be I was depressed and sometimes I simply wanted to be able to play with the other children, but we were so busy being on the road with the Jackson Five that I never really got that opportunity. In 1984, you were burned while filming a Pepsi Pepsi commercial. Will you tell us what happened? We were filming a commercial for Pepsi, and they were using fireworks or pyrotechnics in the background. They said that I got too close to it, but actually, my hair caught on fire. I had been using a fairly heavy treatment in my hair, And I think that that is what ignited. I wound up having very, very severe second-degree burns on my head. And I was taken to a hospital with a burn unit to be cared for. How did this accident affect you? The burns were very, very, very painful. I started taking some painkillers to kill the pain. And... I realized falsely that there were other, that I thought there were great benefits to taking those pills. I probably started taking way too many of them at that time, and it opened the path for my future addiction to drugs. Okay, in 1994, you married Lisa Marie Presley, the daughter of Elvis Presley. Why did you marry Lisa Marie? I had known Lisa Marie for quite a few years. She was obviously the daughter of Elvis, and she was a very, very wonderful person. We would have long conversations, and she was very caring. She understood that I had been having trouble with drugs, and we truly had a very close relationship. One evening, I actually asked her over the phone what she would say if I asked her to marry me, and I was very surprised that she said she would probably do it. We had a very small wedding, and in the beginning, we did have this very wonderful relationship. She is truly a wonderful person. I look back at her, and 
I wish her all the success in her life. I wish that some of the situations would have been different. And I wish that it would have worked out with her. But she is truly a wonderful person. Did you want to have children with her? Yes. I always wanted to have children. I wanted to be able to do the things for my children that I was never able to do. As Lisa and I continued in our relationship, it became apparent to her that I was still having very many problems with drug addiction. She feared that if we had children, that my addiction would cause problems with her, with the children. And I must say that I was having a few idiosyncrasies in my life. The abuse accusations were starting to become serious. And I think that she just simply became very worried. She had wanted to take care of me. And sadly, she was not having much good results especially with the drug thing. Do you consider Lisa the love of your life? Absolutely. She is the one person that truly cared for me. We had a very, very close relationship in the beginning, and I have only myself to blame that things fell apart in our, in our marriage. Uh, so who decided to have the divorce? It was more her idea than mine. I think she just truly gave up on me because of the drug thing. And I can't blame her. There were many times that I was so dependent on drugs. And I know that she did not want to see a drug addict as the father of her children. Okay, in 1996, you married Debbie Rowe. Tell us about your marriage with her. Debbie and I had a very, very strange relationship. She was actually a nurse working for the dermatologist that I was seeing at the time. I think that she had a crush on me, and we started to have discussions, and I told her that I wanted to have children. She said that she would love to have my children, and that she would be willing to, be, to marry me and would love to bear the children for me. So we were actually married in 1996. It was, not, it was more of a business relationship than a religious or a romantic or, or of a romantic relationship. Okay, she claims that she was artificially inseminated and that you never had sex with her. Is that true? Yes, sadly that is true. I did not feel any great physical affection for her. I had just been divorced from Lisa Marie, and I still actually loved her. 
I knew that there wasn't going to be anybody that was going to be able to fill her role in my life. I definitely wanted to have children. And Debbie and I had an, uh, an arrangement and she fulfilled the role that I wanted. Okay, you divorced Debbie in 1999. Why did you get divorced? I divorced her because she had fulfilled the requirements that we had talked about prior to wed- prior to getting married. She gave birth to two beautiful children, and I loved them greatly. I felt that I would be able to give a far better way of raising the children than Debbie would be able to. I did not feel that Debbie would be capable of providing the love and care that I would be capable of providing. She is a very good person. I'm not saying anything bad about her. When we divorced, I gave her a very generous settlement. I assured that she would be able to live a good life. And I wanted her to do well in the future. I love my children very deeply. I loved them when I was in life, and I still love them and try to watch out for them. Okay, could you tell us about your relationship with Princess Diana? I thought that Princess Diana was one of the most wonderful people that ever walked the earth. She was a big fan of mine, and she loved to listen to my music. We would talk on the telephone, and we would discuss things. Diana was obsessed with doing good things for other people. She was trying to work with research on AIDS in Africa. She was trying to look out for foster children. She was traveling the world and trying to do good things for others. I only ever met her one time. I was in England and I was doing a show for her. And I was just blown away by her physical presence. When she was killed, I was devastated. I was very emotional about her death. And it added to my depression at the time. I don't think, in my mind, that there's anyone that ever had the equal to Princess Diana. She was the personification of good. She did not hold evil for anybody. She was down to earth, and she was the people's princess. I, I do see her on the other side, and we are still very good friends. It is so unfortunate what happened to her and that she died so prematurely. She, I'm repeating myself, 
but she is one of the best souls that have ever walked the earth, in my opinion. Okay, we're starting to get some questions from our listeners. Uh, One is, why did you deny getting plastic surgery? Vanity. I wanted people to believe that I had maintained my young looks. There, I had many, many things going on physically that were affecting my appearance. And I wanted everyone to believe that I was still the young-appearing performer that many people had grown to love. Okay. Why did you want to play the role of Spider-Man? I thought that Spider-Man was one of the coolest fictional characters that ever lived. He was a creation of Marvel Comics, and I even tried to buy the company so that I could do a movie and have myself in that cast in that role. There was just something special about Spider-Man. He had these wonderful abilities. He could do things. He could help others. And I was just always infatuated with him. I feel that I probably became over-infatuated with many people or many characters at the time. And I do that I was a bit eccentric in some of the things that I did. Uh, Yeah, like, would you tell us about your infatuation with your pet llamas? I always loved llamas. They are wonderful, gentle animals. I had two that were especially wonderful animals. I was very, very attached to them. And... I would even bring them sometimes to my recording sessions. I know my producers would get a little excited when one of the llamas would go to the bathroom in the studio. (laughs) But at that time, I could control my wishes, and I just simply loved pets. I had many, many other animals at Neverland. It was part... I guess, of the childhood that I was trying to recreate. That makes sense. Uh, In the 1980s, you were the most popular recording artist in the world. What was it like knowing that? I often hear that one of the most difficult things to control is your ego. And I can tell you tonight that that is quite accurate. I was being... My records were being bought by millions and millions of people throughout the world. I was very, very famous. I could literally write my own ticket for any of the performances that I wanted to do. And I was making more money than I ever imagined. All of that does go to your head. I was trying to do things with my money to make up for the sadness of my childhood. I bought properties and I spent lavishly. I ran up 
many debts, in spite of making many millions of dollars, I was also owing many millions as well. I think that my ego contributed to many, many of my problems. It was not something that I could truly control. When you're number one, you know that it's a very, very big world out there. And I felt that during the 1980s, no one was really my equal, and I could basically do whatever I wanted to do. I know that I was wrong. I know that I could have done much more with my life during that period. I know that I could have helped more people. And I know that I could have done things that would not have brought all of the negative publicity upon me. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. I was pushing myself to perform. I was physically exhausting myself. I was taking drugs. I would have to have drugs to sleep at night and then I would need drugs to wake me up in the morning. It was a very, very difficult and trying lifestyle. So, as I say, it was the best of times and it was also the worst of times. Okay. Michael, thank you so much so, for all the wonderful questions so far. We're going to take a short break, and then we will be right back, and we will have many, many more questions for you. Thank you. Don't go away. Channeling History will return right after these brief messages. <laughs> Order for the light to shine so brightly, the darkness must be present. Tune in every Monday at 10 o'clock. The Dark Sun Rising on the Para-X Radio Network. From Haunted Road Media comes an exciting new novel by author Marla Brooks. Soul Connection, a deadly obsession. Two lost souls ripped apart by murder in another century find each other again in the present only to discover that the murderer has followed them through time. Can their love save them or will history repeat itself? Find out in this captivating new novel by Marla Brooks, Soul Connection, A Deadly Obsession. Available now on Amazon.com and at BarnesandNoble.com. You've no doubt heard of Tango and Cash, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Perhaps it takes two to tango. Well, now, on the first and third Thursdays of each month, there's a show called Tango and Friends at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Para-X Radio Network with your host, Bruce Tango. And yes, there will be at least two to tango on each episode, sometimes even more. There's going to be lots of topics and lots of guests you'll all know and lots of support. Prizes. Tango and Friends, every first and third Thursday of the month at 8 p.m. right here on the Para-X Radio Network. Have you ever wondered what Jesus and his followers would say if you could receive their messages today? In his new book, Spirits Speak, Channeling Jesus and the Holy Spirits, channeler and author Barry Strom answers those questions for you. 
Using his gift of spirit communication, he brings you messages from such holy spirits as Moses, John the Baptist, Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary, Jesus, and even Mother Teresa and the Reverend Billy Graham. They discuss topics that are important for contemporary life in these troubled times. Spirits Speak, Channeling Jesus and the Holy Spirits is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers. Signed copies are available on the author's website, spiritspredict.com. After reading this book, you will never again say, What would Jesus say or do? Welcome back to Channeling History. Now, here are your hosts, Barry and Connie Strom. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Connie, let's get on with our questions. Okay, let's go to the chat room. We've got some good questions coming in there. Number one... What level is your soul on in heaven of the seven levels? I'm on the fifth level. It is a very, very good level. And I'm hoping that I can return and advance from this level. Okay. Then you're not part of God's soul family yet. No, I'm not part of God's soul family. I did come back with a wonderful life plan. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. And I did learn many lessons, but I'm definitely not a member as yet of the soul family. And another interesting question, if you were not so strongly guided by your father to be a a successful singer and entertainer, what would you have wanted to be? I think that I would, I always wanted to be an entertainer. I knew that I had a good voice, and I had a decent ability to dance. But I don't think that I would have, I, well, I know that I would have never pushed myself as hard. And I'm sure that I would have never obtained the level of success that I did. So in some ways, my father helped me, and in some ways, he definitely did not. Yeah. Uh, uh, 1993... You were accused of sexually molesting Jordan Chandler. Your attorneys settled that case for approximately $23 million. Did you ever molest Jordan Chandler? I definitely did not. Jordan's father was a very, very vindictive vindictive individual. He made up these stories, and he hired some of the meanest attorneys possible. They made up these stories, and they began to try to ruin me in public. I did not, I tried my best to fight the allegations, but they were taking an absolutely enormous toll upon my body and upon my, my mental state. I was finding it hard to perform. I was taking more and more drugs, and I finally decided that it would be better to settle the case than to keep fighting the thing in court. I knew that if I had to go to court, it was going to be incredibly emotional and take a terrible toll on my body. While the $23 million seems like a awful lot of money. 
and it is. Keep in mind that I was making hundreds of millions of dollars a year through my performances. I decided that I would much rather spend that amount of money than go through the personal embarrassment of having to sit in front of a jury and discuss what I was being accused of. It's very sad. How did the case affect you physically? As I said, I was I was wasn't able to eat. I was losing weight. I was taking more drugs than normal and that was a large amount of drugs. I was finding it difficult to focus and I was an emotional wreck. They knew when they accused me that I was a very emotional person and they used that trait to try to destroy me. Tell us about Neverland. I bought Neverland and I made it a very lavish amusement park for children. I had many, many things that I never had time for in my childhood. I wanted to bring children to Neverland and let them have a wonderful experience. I had rides, I had animals, I had people that were very nice to them. I wanted Neverland to be very, very special. It turned out to be very extravagant and It also turned to a weapon that was being used by people to accuse me of many things. Did you ever sexually abuse any children there? I never sexually abused any children. I did do things with them that were unusual. I would allow them to sleep in a very large bed with me. I would I would cuddle with them. I would try to show them the love that I was never shown as a child. I know that much of what I did was easily misconstrued. But I never did anything that I felt would harm any of the children. I tried I guess, way too hard. And I did try to show the affection that I truly felt for these children. It was not a sexual attraction. It was something that many people would misconstrue. And many of the people that worked for me that I trusted actually lied about what we did at Neverland. I know that many people believe that I did things that were terrible to the children. I am telling you that I did not. I am telling you that I did things that I wish I had not done, but I only did it in an attempt to to show true affection 
I wanted these children to have an incredible experience. I was very famous at the time, and I knew that they took great pride and pleasure in being close to me as a person and as a celebrity. Michael, your own sister, Latoya, accused you of being a pedophile. Why did she do that? She did that at the order of her husband. He was a very, very nasty person, and he wanted to try to part, to write a book and have that book make millions of dollars for them. We later made up, and she admitted that she was speaking out of turn. Okay. Uh, did you suffer from vitiglio? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a disease that causes the loss of skin color and patches. Yes. I was having a problem in that I was getting areas where my skin was lighter than my normal color. As a performer, your appearance is 90% of what you need to succeed. I was seeing a dermatologist for treatment, and I was actually attempting to lighten the rest of my skin to match the patches that were occurring on my face and in other parts of my body. Okay. Um, we have a question here that just popped up. It said, when you passed, did you go to the light after your death, or did you stay in the underworld for some time? No. I passed the death, and my soul did the same as any other normal soul would do. I ascended into heaven. I was accompanied by family members. I was accompanied. I had an angel with me as well. And I was escorted from the life plane to the heaven plane, like any other soul would do. Okay, let's get back to your appearance just for one more question. Did you ever try to alter your appearance? Yes, I did. I did everything that I could do to maintain my young appearance. I did not appreciate the fact that my body was aging. I was showing the effects of drug abuse, and the vitiglio was causing me skin problems as well. So I was seeing a dermatology, a dermatologist regularly. They had me on drugs to try to slow up the disease. And I was trying to make my skin match the lighter color. Okay. Did you suffer from anorexia? Yes. There were times during the accusation period that I was unable to eat. I was so emotionally distressed that I could not hold food in my stomach. And I actually became anorexic. When I died, I only weighed around 130 pounds. 
I had the drugs were taking a terrible toll, and a lot of it was causing a loss of weight. Okay, we have a, another fun question from our listeners. Do you come to receive the souls of your fans? On occasions. I had some very, very wonderful fans from around the world. Some of the people, when they pass, I actually do take time to go and welcome onto the other side. They are always quite amazed to see me, and I kind of enjoy it. Okay, tell us about how you were almost killed in the 9-11 attack on the World Trade Center. I hadn't heard about that. I was supposed to be attending a meeting in the World Trade Center on 9-11. I overslept, mainly because the drugs, but I was unable to keep that meeting in the World Trade Center. Had I been there, I would have died with all those 2,000-plus wonderful souls. The events surrounding your death in 2009 at the age of 50 have left a lot of unresolved questions. Your doctor, Conrad Murray, administered a deadly combination of drugs. The autopsy showed you had many different types of drugs in your system. How did you become so addicted? Did the doctor help you with that? Yes. I was taking many, many different kinds of drugs. At that time of my life, I had been accused of being a pedophile. I had been drugged through the courts. I had been forced to pay much money to settle cases. I was finding that as I aged, I did not have the energy that I wanted to have in my act. I always was a wonderful dancer, and it took much energy. I would take uppers to help me perform. I would have to take drugs to sleep at night because of the effect the other drugs were having. I would take drugs to wake up in the morning. And I still had pain from where the burns had happened on my head. I had many things that were bothering me. It was a terrible, terrible way to live, and I would tell anybody not to become addicted to drugs. It will ruin your life as it ruined mine. You were paying Dr. Murray around $150,000 a month. Why were you paying him so much money? Dr. Murray was providing the drugs that I needed or felt that I needed to perform and to sleep and just simply live a life. I paid him a handsome amount of money to be my personal physician. And as such, he would give me access to many of the drugs that I needed to exist. Okay. Was there any foul play involved in your death? The... My death was not the result of any plan. I think that Dr. Murray made a mistake in giving me too heavy a dose of drugs. My mistake 
was hiring him in the first place. He should have sent me to to a rehab center and to someone that would help me with my mental health. Instead, he just kept giving me the drugs that I was demanding. He should have stood up to me. And had he done that, perhaps I would still be around. When you passed, you left your father and siblings out of your will and left everything to your mother and your children. Why did you do that? I was still very bitter towards my father. I felt that he had robbed my childhood and that he had forced me to do things that I didn't want to do. I knew that he loved money, and I felt that leaving him out of the will would be the best way to get my last revenge. What did you think about all the grief that was caused by your passing? I was actually amazed. I totally underestimated the amount of people that did truly love and care for me. Once I was on the other side, I was aware of people around the world that were devastated by my passing. It was, and it still is, very incredible to know that people still love my music and still buy my records. How were you judged when you arrived on the other side? When I arrived on the other side, my guides were very quick to point out the things in which I had done wrong or it showed very poor judgment. They told me that all of the problems of child abuse could have been prevented had I not been so extravagant. They pointed out that I could have done much more with my money to help the poor. They showed me that I wasted great amounts of money and squandered wealth. The one thing that I should have done was to have used a larger portion of my savings and net worth to help others. I was judged rather harshly on on those points, but I had also done quite a bit quite a bit of good for many people. And I was forgiven for what I had done. I had not really done any of the terrible things that I'd been accused of. And I was allowed to stay in my current level in heaven. Okay. What do you consider the greatest mistakes that you made in your life? The greatest mistake I may ever made in my life was getting addicted to drugs. The drugs ruined my life. The drugs took my life. The drugs destroyed my wedding relationship. Drugs are a terrible, terrible thing when they're misused. I had the ability to demand the drugs, and I had the money to pay for them. There are many, many lives that are being destroyed by drug abuse. If you know someone that is suffering from drug abuse, try to help them. It could be the greatest thing that you ever do for those people. 
Many people do not understand that you were actually involved in many humanitarian projects. Will you tell us about some of them? When my hair caught fire, I donated money to the hospital to create a burn unit. I did much with Diana. I tried to send money for help in AIDS research. I tried to participate in projects with other actors or singers that would try to bring peace and to help others around the world. I know now that I should have done more, but I did actually do many humanitarian things for folks during my life. Could you tell us what it's like on the other side? Heaven is an incredible place. It is a place that cannot be described. Humans have no way of understanding what it is truly like. I am on an upper level, not the top, but there are many, many things that I can do on this level. I can visit people on lower levels. I can communicate with all of the greats over here. There are many, many people that I talk to every day. I can speak with individuals like John Lennon, all the great performers. It is simply a very wonderful place. And while death should not be sought in life, it is something that should not be feared. You are correct. What would you say is your favorite album or your favorite song that you did? My first really great album as a hit was probably my favorite. I loved being able to write music. I loved being able to received the accolades of people, and I enjoyed all of the awards that, that I received while I was performing. There are many, many things that I look back on with great affection. Are you planning to reincarnate in the near future? I am thinking about it. I still have a lot of pain from my private from things that hurt me so much in my last lifetime. I will not be going anywhere in the very near future. I want to be able to greet many of my friends when they pass. But I think when they, when many of my pay, friends have joined me here on the other side, that I will prepare a life to plan in return. Yeah. So do you think you might be an entertainer in your next life? I think I will, but I hope that I will be able to carry many of the lessons that I learned forward. I truly enjoyed entertaining others, and I think probably we'll do that again. Hey, Michael, we really appreciate your being with us this evening. Would you like to have a final message for us? Yes. Thank you for allowing me to come through once more. I always enjoy talking with the two of you. 
I know that you're very special, and I consider it an honor to be a guest to answer questions for you. I hope that if one thing people will take from my visit tonight is the terrible cost of drug addiction. It destroyed my life. It destroyed my personal relationships, and it destroys the lives of many, many people in the world today. I want you to know that I wish that I had done more good for others. Charity is a wonderful thing, and it will definitely help you have a sound judgment when you return home. I want to thank all the people that still love my music, still buy my records, and still show the love that they did to me when I was in life. So thank you for having me. If you want me to ever come back again, I will be very happy to do it. And we appreciate that. Thank you, Michael. Okay, Michael, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you around. You really are a wonderful soul. Folks, next week we're going to be interviewing the Archangel Shamuel. I know many of you are not familiar with the Archangel, but he's the angel of peace and love. And I thought it would be a very good time to bring an angel that deals with peace and love on the show and let folks ask questions of him. Obviously our world needs an awful lot of love at this point. My new book... Spirit Speak, Channeling Jesus and the Holy Spirits is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. We also have it on Kindle for immediate download, and we have lowered the price to $2.99 to make it available for everyone. This book lays a strong foundations for the channelings of Jesus and of all the Holy Spirits that were around him. Signed copies of the book are only available on my websites, spiritspredict.com or wordsofgodthenandnow.com. All of our radio shows and challenges are available on Podomatic, iTunes, or Spotify, where you can download them or just listen. We put everything up on my YouTube channel, and that is in my name, Barry Strong. Everything we do is free to watch, free to listen, and I hope you find it all very interesting. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Thank you for listening. Please join us Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on the Para-X Radio Network. And I would also like to thank you all for listening. Have yourselves a wonderful week, and God bless you all. Thanks for listening to Channeling History. Tune in again next week for another electrifying episode as we never know who will make an appearance or who will come through the portal. Any rebroadcast or other use of this program without explicit permission is strictly prohibited. Copyright 2020. Our story begins by Kevin McLeod, licensed through Incompetech.com.